Welcome to the Cloudwater Podcast, bringing you insight, perspective, and conversation from across the industry. Here in episode two, I'm joined by Johnny from the Craft Beer Channel and Brienne and Chris from Notch Brewing in Salem, Massachusetts. And we pick up a conversation about lager and its place in the modern beer world. Okay, we're rolling. Um, so we're once again in the more than comfortable Brewers Lounge, supplied by Simply Hops. Simply Hops. Um, <laughs> that was not necessary. But it is late in the day and we're having a bit of fun. We're letting loose. Selfies are being live taken right now. I only put my forehead in. <laughs> um, there may be a bit of background noise. Um, there may be some distraction from the level of intoxication that we are all uh, feeling right now. But ultimately, um, we're here for a chat. Chat about a style of beer um, that doesn't really get a lot of chat. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys to introduce yourselves uh, if you'd like to start. Yeah, so I'm, I'm Johnny. I run the Craft Beer Channel on YouTube. Uh, I also do uh, a podcast called The Bubble and lots of consultancy work. And used to work for Cave, used to import Paul Arner and Hackershaw and lots of amazing lager. So it's it's very much a passion of mine above all the other styles. Not that lager's a style, it's a yeast and a process. Uh, so I'm Brianne Allen. I'm production manager at Notch Brewing in Salem, Massachusetts. Also chapter leader of uh, Boston Pink Boot Society, which raises money for uh, female brewers in the industry to uh, go to school and get educated so they can get better jobs. Uh, Chris Loring, founder, head brewer, Notch Brewing, uh, Salem, Massachusetts. Wonderful. Um, We've all been uh, having something to do this past few days. We've got another uh, uh, day to go tomorrow, of course, of Indyman, but uh, past few days been been running Parallel events, really, uh, here at the festival, promoting, talking about, um, and sharing a passion for lager. Um, why are we doing that, Johnny? I mean, like, why is that necessary? I think I think uh, the, the most important thing uh, that craft beer needs to do, or good beer needs to do, is to introduce a new people to the world of great beer. Uh, and be to understand that if we're going to drink day to day or if we're going to enjoy beer on a longer term scale, we need to be producing beer that is drinkable um, on all kind of a, uh, all kinds of occasions. Um, and lager by lager, Pilsner, Hellas, all these kind of styles by definition have a different kind of finish to it and a more sessionability to it. And that's why we want to promote the more delicate, the more interesting, the more uh, nuanced flavors of lager and, and try and encourage people to be enjoying the subtler side and enjoying it on a more regular basis and a less intense basis. I think drink drink less and drink better counts both for quality and for ABV to some extent. For sure, um, you know, Chris, you guys uh, are renowned for a focus on uh, sessionable uh, beer strengths, but but also you have uh, you know an, an affinity for lager beers. Um, what 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 led to that? I, I think it was just personal experience, and when I looked at the great beer brewing nations of of Europe, 
especially the Czech Republic and Germany, the, the beers that were the everyday drinking beers, the beers of the beer hall drinking beers, the beer garden drinking beers, those are ones of, you know, 4 to 5% alcohol sure. that were complex to me because lagers to me are, are, are high, compl high complexity, even though they're subtle. And those nuances really spoke to me. As a brewer, that challenge spoke to me. And uh, I find great reward in brewing those beers, but also great pleasure in seeing people drink those beers in, in some quantity. In our tap room in Salem, we, brew, we, we serve half liters and liters. And it's not, a, it's not uh, uncommon, it's very common to see men and women go to the bar and get a liter and walk to, their, walk to their bench and sit there and smile. And no one walks away from a bar with a liter not smiling. It's a very joyous occasion. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> so, so it's just part of that whole experience the, the, that you can not only, not only can you, 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 you um, enjoy a beer of that volume, but you can enjoy the, how that beer changes over that time period and, and how those flavors evolve as that beer warms a little bit. So brewing, and, and drinking, both of those things came together in, in, in my joy of that. Sure. Um, Brian, you uh, sp spend your time uh, brewing such beers. I mean, you know, what are some of the technical challenges that, uh, that you face and, and endeavor to overcome in the production of beers that, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an often touted um, challenge uh, in producing lagers that, that, that there's nowhere to hide. Um, you know, you screw something up on uh, on work production day or during fermentation and it's it's front and center in that beer that's so funny that you say that so uh, before i worked at notch i brewed for five years at jack's abbey which is an all lager brewery also Ooh. in massachusetts i think they're the second largest brewery in massachusetts mm. now um so i've only been brewing lagers like my entire career and it's hilarious to me that like people from the industry will come and talk to us and they're like Show it. We haven't brewed lagers. We don't know how. Um, there's all of these. They're so delicate, and like we don't. We're too scared to do it because we're gonna fuck it up. Excuse my language. It's fine. And to me, since that's all that I know, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like <laughs> lagers are so. We were talking about this earlier. Lagers are so predictable to me. I mean, we sit there. We write a recipe. We know exactly what it's gonna taste like when it comes out. The second we write it down. Ales to me are the ones that are delicate. You fuck up one thing and the whole beer is ruined. So it's funny that you asked me that because uh, I don't see any technical challenges in lagers just because that's the only thing that I know. And uh, it's brewing the ales that really like terrifies me. Huh. It really does. Like every time um, something goes wrong when I'm brewing the ales, I'm like, I have no idea what's gonna happen now. <laughs> like it can be a whirlwind of like a disaster. I'm gonna have to dump it. It's gonna be astringent. It's gonna be too dry. It's like crazy anxiety to me to brew ales. And then lagers are like the most simple things in my mind that I can think of. And is that because with lager, I mean, you you've obviously by definition ha uh, have a period of lagering built into each recipe and, and a kind of sensory experience that you're trying to achieve is it, you know do you feel like that um, steadiness comes from that lagering period that you know any any kind of minor batch to batch variation will likely resolve during that time or? yeah I suppose but I mean if you um, condition ales I mean I don't think you get the same uh result as if when you condition lagers. I mean, maybe it's uh, the hops and the yeast specifically for ales that are just so, there's so many different hops you can use for ales and you can dry hop it as many times as you want. Um, there's all the uh, yeast that do all the different 
uh, bioconversions that we're seeing now in like New England style IPAs and uh, no one really understands like what's going on there. I mean, it's definitely combining the yeast molecules and the hot molecules to create a new flavor that we don't even know what's going to happen. Mm. Uh, lucky for us, it becomes like some crazy tropical fruit flavor. Um, for lagers, it's different. You have to decide what the hops are going to be uh, during the brewing process on the hot side, and you just know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So just, yeah, that's why ales are so spontaneous to me, and I... I don't know. It gives me anxiety. <laughs> just, but yeah, I guess uh, if you condition a New England IPA, I mean, I keep coming back to that specifically because it's the most popular sure, style. Sure, it's on your doorsteps as well. Other than pastry stouts and sours. Um, but considering, uh, yeah, the hoppy craze that's going on, I don't know if I think conditioning would hurt that style, whereas lagers, they get better and better. Mm. Um I mean, depending on the style of lager as well. But there's only a, a small percentage of lagers that could get better with less conditioning, whereas most lagers just get uh, better with more, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, it totally does. And I think it plays out in, in my experience many times. Um, I guess we, su- we, we uh, touched upon it a little bit um, uh, uh, right now in that, that first round of questions, but... Um, you know what? What role uh, does lager play in in beer culture? Um, what you know? What role does it play in our day to day lives? I mean, we you know, we I think we'd all agree that the approachability and drinkability of lager um, means that it's you know it's well positioned to be a very socially oriented beer. But I mean, you know, how, how what's your What's your personal relationship with with lager and, and and the role that you think it plays within in beer as a as a, you know as a sort of vast entity right now? There, there's a lot of people that talk about lager as sort of the entry point, um, and it kind of goes beyond that because you know the first beer you ever have is probably going to be a lager. So when you're between the age of twelve and sixteen, maybe that's when the the introduction <laughs> point happens like for me it was like age like about 14 15 my brother giving me a bottle of beer door which was like a crappy tesco stubby what was it called beer door beer of gold um (laughs) and and (laughs) it was not neither golden nor barely beer but um it was a lager and it was my entry point so you have people it's the first beer they'll ever taste when you say this is this is beer they'll take that for the rest of their lives like you you don't get a a second first impression that's true that's their first impression Mm -hmm. of what beer is and it's almost always lager and then you have the other entry point which is people who drank some lager hated it Uh, like I I didn't really enjoy lager I was a a Guinness and then a real ale drinker until maybe 10 years ago Uh, so you have this second entry point which I did where I got obsessed with pale ales IPAs Stouts, lambics, and then I came back and I had, um, I think it was Camden Hells maybe or, or Augustina Hellers, and I had the second entry point where I remembered what was joyous about a lager. Um, so it, lager is always the first way back in, whichever kind of route you've taken, it's the, it's it's the way back in. So there's again, there's no kind of room for error, both in the recipe, uh, although what you just said kind of blew my mind about how ales are more oh, really? <laughs> kind of stressful but for me it's always been there's 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 no room for error from a recipe point of view and a brewing point of view and a fermentation point of view and there's no room for error in the fact that when somebody has their next lager they're looking to be wowed by what is actually quite a nuanced and uh incredibly subtle 
beer so it's a very tough style considering it's the entry uh, it's not a big fucking marble arch it's uh, it's a little doorway that you know it's like Holy Grail where you know he drinks from the wrong cup and turns into a skeleton and then Indiana Jones comes along and has the <laughs> weird goblet and drinks the best drink of his life and that's kind of how I see the lager it's funny so we have this conversation all the time uh, back home that there's like like you were saying lager is the entry point we definitely talk about um, craft beer as a journey how you do start off in lager and then you work your way up to you know you've got uh, your red ales your brown ales um, you go to IPAs and then imperial IPAs and then you have all these stouts and then imperial stouts and then you go fucking crazy and you have some sours and you're like blowing your mind with it and then you make your way back down and we talk about that a lot because um the culture that's going on in new england right now maybe the entire country but i mean we're from new england so i can only comment on that um people are skipping that entire journey and just going straight to the new england ipas the craziest ipas that they can get and they're just skipping over lager completely and i don't understand why there was an amazing uh, interview with the guy who does uh, Don't Drink Beer, uh, a, a very sort of satirical look on the craft beer scene, and he right. talked in this podcast about um, you go straight for the boss. Like, no, no one's sort of playing the game that leads yep. up to the boss. You mm-hmm. just go straight for the guy that's the most challenging and, and exciting. And it's, it's definitely like a, a, a cultural phenomenon where you, d- you don't want to be the guy that's going, hey, this parallel is cool. You want to be the guy that goes, like, I took down this massive fucking dipper <laughs> and I owned it after the fifth go. I think there's also segmentation right now in our industry where we have entry-level drinkers who, when they come into the, into the age of consumption, uh, they can drink the best beer in the world right away. They might, they might stand in line for it, but they're going to drink the best beer on rape beer right away. And that may be something that's fruity and juicy and all these flavors and textures are familiar to them. And that's a very easy entry point, I think. A little sweetness where the entry point of a lager, may, I, th- I think, is more difficult. Where you have a beer that may be drier and, uh, and, and a little bitter and... Uh, you know, to me, like uh, I'm drinking Augustine or Hellas right now, and to me, that's not a great entry point beer. That to me, that's it's a beer well, that's it's, nuanced. There, it's nuanced, sure. yeah. And there's some challenging flavors in that beer. And I, it, I remember the first beer I ever had was behind my dad's pool, and I think it was a Schlitz or some shit. And that was that was not Augustine or Hellas, but it, Hellas, but it was a challenging beer. It was bitter. It was something I never tasted ever in my life. It was not sweet. It was not juicy. There was no citrus. And I think now that you have consumers coming in and tasting, they're, they're having familiar flavors in beer they never had before. Yeah. And that entry point is really easy for them, which is great for the beer industry. That's a great entry level. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm proposing that lager is going to be the evolution of, of a more sophisticated palate, where before it was the entry point of the unsophisticated palate. So I think it's, gonna, I think it's turning on its head right now. That's a really interesting view because, uh, you know, I think bitterness is a is a is a flavor experience that uh, isn't exclusive to beer of course but i mean yeah classical beer styles uh, typically uh, uh, work out to be really quite uh, more bitter than a lot of their modern uh, um, successes um, you know and certainly when you look at um, when you look at the flavor of uh, modern classic IPAs, your, your West Coast IPAs, your, um, I guess, traditional English IPAs, uh, you're not seeing as many of those external reference points by way of tropical fruit, 
um, you know, kind of juicy mouthfeel. You know, you, you really have a, a very beer-specific experience in in a lot of the classics or modern classics. So that's a pretty yeah. I, I can I can see that playing out in in many respects. Um, I guess that um, you know that leads me on uh, to to wonder, you know, if if, if lager is going to become this uh, family of beers that is um, is the next thing that your average uh, beer geek today uh, might might choose to check out. Um, you know what what can be done to entice people to these nuanced experiences in a world of pastry stout and you know high acetic acid sours. Uh, you know, kind of insanely juicy IPAs I mean you know is there what is the place of lager in that context uh, you know what what is the experience that lager is going to offer you that all of these like high potent beers can't uh, I think it's drinkability you know for, for, we talked about this earlier this weekend and drinkability is a name that's been co-opted by you know a large brewer in the US we hate that name but or that, that, that description, but it's true. Drinkability is very important. And I think lager has a drinkability that some pastry stouts or some IP, double IPAs, and I love New England IPA. I always have to preface this. I do not dislike that style. I live in the heart of it, and I love it, and I like to drink it. But there's a drinkability factor with that, where I go home and I have one of those, where I can go have three lagers or pilsners, and, and that's very easy. So the drinkability, I think, is, is something that we'll see consumers probably move towards, where if you look at uh, wine or cider or um, spirits, a lot of what's happening there are people moving towards things that, that, that are, are drinkable. And you know, beer has to kind of follow that. So if we're, if we're producing styles that are, have um, limited drinkability, what are we doing for the overall ability for craft or, or beer in general to grow? And to me, it's, it, it's, it's the drinkable styles and the drinkability that's really important. And I think that's where lager comes in. Or a pilsner, or an amber lager, or you know the the, the, the plethora of styles that lager has. Like there's the drinkability is always the foundation of that, and I, I think that's where lager has the leg up. That's something you can go back to. You know, it's 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 funny. Um, it seems like the the drop off of of a preference towards these everyday drinking beer styles. I mean that that just must go hand in hand with. Uh, the the appetite, the somewhat sort of ferocious appetite for one-off experiences. You know, the, the, the sort of um, maybe slightly s- slight reduction in um, in in drinkability across the board. Uh, you know, it's part of promoting a culture um, that lives by the sip. <laughs> you know, rather than rather than by uh, you know the the night long experience with a particular beer that continues to yield nuance and 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 as you said before, I mean I've you know I've had the pleasure of um, of sitting uh, drinking Augustina um, for an entire evening at uh, in in Munich and uh, sat drinking Tegensi for an entire evening. Um, there was nothing about my experience in, 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 in those two places specifically that was lacking at all. Uh, I never once missed hops. I never once, you know, wondered 
uh, whether whether my experience would be better with the addition of some darker malts. You know, I never once contemplated another yeast. Uh, I mean, you know, really. I, I I think there's at the moment we're we're living in a in a kind of post. Well, I wish it was a post macro world, but in a world where we're starting to try and reclaim space from the macro brewers, and there's a certain amount of um, trying to reclaim situations and moments from what was lost. So where you used to sit there and sling back four or five Budweiser's and that became tiresome and that's understandable if you wanted some flavour involved and now you know the way that you bonded was by having something exceptional that you'd talk about and you'd rave about and you'd try lots of different things and you'd do your bottle shares and you'd, you'd go to the pub and you'd have everything that was different on tap and you'd talk about it and and, and I always say on, on the craft beer channel the more you know about beer the more you shut up the fuck up and talk and drink it like you know if, if there's an amazing IPA you don't talk about it you drink it and you talk about other stuff and I think that there's hopefully going to come a shift where you'll you'll either sit down with an amazing IPA or you'll sit down with an amazing Pilsner or, or an amazing Hellas and you won't kind of need to go isn't this better than what we used to have you'll sit down and go this is the norm now and we'll, we'll talk about other things and do other things and America's a bit further along in that line and you can see it in the way that if you go into a dive bar there's there's a great a great beer on and you'll 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 play different bar games and you'll talk to each other and you have some wings and in the UK you know it's literally a talking point if you go into a pub and there's a great beer on that's a talking point still for the UK market so in UK people go to pubs just to talk about the beer that they're drinking is that what you're saying uh, certainly in the in, in sort of the, the craft beer bubble yeah you'll you'll go into a bar and there'll be 20 taps and you'll talk about what you're drinking you'll talk about how it's better than what you could because we don't we don't have that culture of, of great beer being available everywhere at all. I, I mean I think even in even in uh, places that I've uh, had the pleasure to be in the states though uh, the, you know there's still a lot I mean you know there's still a lot of people out there that are taking beers off their list um, you know and, and taking a lot of pride in checking stuff in or kind of getting a haul of this out the other. Um, you know, I still, I still don't find, you know, if you, if I come back to like that, um, you know, Augustina or Tegancy beer hall experience as being something that uh, for me was like peak drinkability, uh, you know, an experience where I genuinely felt like nothing was missing and I didn't care what else was available elsewhere in the world. Like I really felt like this is it. Like I don't, I'm not searching for anything other than this. Um, I I, uh, I don't always I don't always see and experience that um, you know even even in breweries where uh, where they're famed for making the the best uh, stout or the best IPA or the best sour beer you know there's still a little bit of like competition and chasing uh, at, at, at least from my from my perception. So, a couple of questions on that. So, in the states, we've seen the, the reduction of buying in rounds, and some of that's based on the, the, the credit card, the debit card nation, where everyone wants to split a check. So, buying in rounds has definitely been something that's lost. Buying the same beer every single time at a, at a pub or bar is gone. You have something new every single purchase. You don't ever repeat. Flights are dominating. People want to come in and have five flights of a four ounce sample and taste something new every single time and check it in untapped. Uh, 
And that, to me, that's the antithesis of lager drinking, where lager drinking is about having the same beer over and over and over again. In some ways, it's, it, to me, it reflects of the British pub culture where you have a, a bitter, whatever standard ordinary bitter you have on, you, you consume that. I'm not saying that's, that's necessarily fun, but it is definitely a, 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 a part of beer culture that I think we're losing a little bit, and I'm not sure if it's good or bad. Where we have consumers come into our, even to notch, and we'll serve them a half liter of a lager, and they have a different lager every single time because we have five lagers on the board, and they'll go through all five lagers, and they will not repeat. And because it, it's 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 the desire for new, for new, for new, and it. it so I'm, I'm looking at it through our lens, where even with lager, people still want new experiences every single time. I mean, I mean, have we been too successful uh, as an industry in? in promoting uh, new experiences to the consumer that maybe we looked at at some point and said, hey, you know, you're missing out. Um, you're satisfied with your Bud, you're satisfied with your Fosters, with your Heineken, um, but there's so much more out there, and so why don't you try something new? And they've gone, okay, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into and this. And then you give them 50 options, and they're like... Ah, oh, get it away from me! There's so <laughs> many options. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we're maybe we're too successful at this point in promoting new experiences and haven't quite reached a point where we've communicated to uh, to folk new to to beer or at least new to the variety in beer that you know it's not the 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 new that was really the higher value. I think I think when craft beer sort of started as a as a concept, it was diversity was the goal. It was people going, I'm sick of drinking the same thing, so I want to try some different things. I want to try some different flavors. And now the issue we have, like you say, it, it's actually a lack of curation. Like if I go into a bar, what I want is six different beers, and then depending on my mood, I can pick between them. If that means I'll drink Pilsner all night, brilliant. If it means I'll drink small measures of Imperial Stout all night, that's brilliant. But if you've got 50 choices, that's not necessarily more choice than six brilliant options. And the UK's biggest challenge right now is we constantly encourage mediocrity. You've got 50, well, not 50, you've got 20 taps and four or five of them will be brilliant. And you just need to make sure that the choice really is that those five are different styles. And at the moment, if you, if you follow the trends, you'll end up with, with probably three good New, New England IPAs, maybe a really good Imperial Stout, and hopefully a Pilsner if you Which lucky. is probably why everyone's getting flights, because they're like, oh, fuck, like, there's 20 options. I need to try as many as I can yeah. to find the don't right... Don't get burned. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to get stuck with a bad beer. Like, so I totally get it, but at the same time, I I would stick with the bad beer, I guess, just because it's me. Or you turn it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just... I'm, you know, I'm, I, I, these days, every single time I go to any brewery, any bar anywhere in the world, like, you know, I'll have a Pilsner or a Helles, and if it's good, I pretty much don't. You always f- go for that first? 100%. And, and, and if, it's, if it's good, I'm probably not drinking anything else. So I have like a... You're, it depends. You're unique. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm you, but we are unique. Because <laughs> I don't think the average consumer does that anymore. Well, I mean, you know... I'm still thrilled by IPAs. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of what we make, and 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 when we 
when we get it right, I absolutely love it. But I'm at, I'm I'm not drinking that night after you know drink after drink. I'm not drinking a beer of that strength drink after drink. Uh, you know, especially being in the industry, yeah. trying to be mindful of my health. Uh, goodness knows how many liters of ethanol my liver is capable of of uh, processing in my lifetime. <laughs> um, you know, I might wear it out quicker than I think. Um, uh, you know, and, and all sorts of other health implications. So, you know, I'm trying to be mindful of, of uh, you know, wanting to hang out and enjoy beer experiences without punishing my body in some way. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I, I'm also using the the Pilsner or the Hellas as as a test of of that brewery or that or that yes. bar. You know, if they've got yes. a if they've got a lager that I'm like, shit, this is good you know probably probably the other stuff is good and is worth my you know it's worth the risk mm-hmm. like you were saying before right. Brianna about the you know the flights like it's if the lager is good then probably the other stuff's good too you know again because it's nuanced and it's not um it takes some uh takes some familiarity and and and, and some schooling to to pick out a good lager from the pack True. It's funny. So you guys keep bringing up, you know, uh, drinkability. How many you guys want to drink lagers because you want to drink a fucking shit ton of them all in one sitting. And um, so when I'm like going out and going to eat, I mean, it depends on what I'm eating. And that's what I decide what I'm drinking. So if I'm going to eat something really spicy, like wings or like uh, some type of pasta that's really spicy, I will get an IPA or I will get something very strange. Uh, just to go along with what I'm eating. And then, yeah, afterwards I'll start drinking, you know, what I want to drink, which is lagers. But I'm not going home trying to drink 10 beers every fucking night. So, like, I'm not drinking lagers to have a ton of them. I want one good one before I go to bed. It doesn't have to be drinkable, I mean, per se. No, it has but I to think be it, good. Yeah, I think that, but that comes back to... I, you know, maybe I didn't like communicate my experience so well before, but um, you know, when I when I said that I'm in I'm in Munich or uh, like drinking a right. Hellas and nothing's lacking, I, I mean, like I'm not craving anything even beyond this beer. Right. Like, I might have another one, but it's not because I'm unsatisfied by the current experience that I'm having. You know, and, and and I often find with with. Um, other styles of beer that can be like uh you know just that little chip uh uh off the corner uh that that leaves me still yearning for an experience that i find like deeply satisfactory Mm -hmm. um deeply enjoyable um and that and that's one of the reasons why i'll probably you know if, if i've been through a bunch of ipas at a bar because um, I'm in the mood for hops and I don't necessarily find something that blows me away, I'll probably finish with a bottle of Hellas. Because I'd be like, at least I'll have had at least that part of me that's yearning for that whole experience. True. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, whilst, whilst the drinkability can manifest in your ability to drink several of those beers without palate fatigue, um, you know, and without being, uh, without feeling like you're missing out on something else. Um, you know, I think also drinkability manifests in your ability to enjoy that one beer um, so thoroughly that you're done. Um, yeah. I think you, yeah, you also brought up the point, um, what you just said, uh, the fear of missing out of something. 
I don't understand why we all have that. Well, because we're afraid to die. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I need it just went it. there. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we you know we're trying to we're trying to make our lives um, as meaningful as possible, and so moment by moment, whether we're drinking beer. Um, or spending time with people or talking about uh, something, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to infuse just the right amount of meaning into those experiences. Um, trying to extract meaning out of those experiences. And so, you know, we, we, we fear that we miss out on something that is more meaningful or that could better uh, represent uh, our our opinion of what we think we need to get out of life. So, you know, if you self-identify as someone that really gives a shit about beer and yet you're aware of another beer experience that you're not having that may be superior, uh, you may end up feeling like you're missing out and not quite doing yourself justice. Okay. Afraid to die IPA. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right. I mean, it would be slightly different to um, Stones and Brewdog's uh, marketing campaigns, but the label art lines. creates itself. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, like it, it, yeah. It, it's interesting though because if I had an hour left left on this earth, I'd drink pilsner. I'd fucking drink. I'd pilsner. sit down with Just my best friends. You can, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd sit down with my friends <laughs> and I go, right, what can we talk about and how many beers can we drink while we do it? Um, so it's interesting that the, like, yeah, we call it FOMO, fear of missing out. But at the end of the day, and I love all kinds of IPA. Maybe I it's more fear of fucking it up. Chase. You know? I literally trade for these kind of stuff. And then at the end of the day, if some, if I was halfway to Treehouse and somebody said you're going to dine in an hour, I wouldn't be like, can somebody give me a Treehouse before I get there? I'd be like, well, um, is, is there an Augustina on this plane? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and can I be transported to Augustina Keller <laughs> under an oak tree with a leader? Please now. Stop at Treehouse first, but then after. Maybe it's like a weird extra premonition. It's like where you where you spend your life going like, well, nobody said, you know, on their deathbed, I wish I'd worked more. Nobody says, I wish I'd drunk more double IPA. They all go, I should have had more pills with my mates. And you know, that's not to say you can't drink, you know, amazing well, IPA so you with your friends. Well, so you just brought it up. That's but what this- it is. You you drink it with your friends. No one drinks IPAs with their friends. They go to the tap rooms, they buy cases, and they go straight home, and they either sell it or they take pictures of it. And that's the end of that culture, whereas pilsners are meant to, like, drink together. Lagers drink well, are drank I, together. They're not sexy, so you're not taking your lager home and... Taking a you know slow mo video yeah, of exactly. the crystal clear pool. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, but this is the distinction between beers that we talk about, um, and 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 there are there are many excellent experiences to be had in beers that we talk about where we're like, wow, I didn't know beer could do this or be this or deliver these kind of, as we said before, somewhat external flavors. Uh, new flavors to beer, all these tropical fruits, etc. Right. Um, you know, and and then and then there are a bunch of beers that we talk over. Um, there are beers that just so happen to exist as kind of like social fuel. Um, you know, their their place in our lives is to like um, f- loosen us up and open up conversation and help us make social bonds and help us deepen social bonds. Um, I think I think you could do that over something other than the Pilsner or Hellas. I think you know the reason that I think Pliny, I, uh, Pliny the Elder is the best IPA in the world is because I've drunk five pints of it while thinking I was talking the most 
incredible philosophy with my friends <laughs> and then I woke up in the morning and vomited but I still had five pints right. of an amazing beer <laughs> with my best friends in that tap room and that was what was amazing about Pliny not the fact that I had a bottle of it that was traded for something and then I took it home and I had a warm bottle of it and a, a, a bottle share I sat there and had five pints of it mm -hmm. with my friends and the glory of Pliny is how drinkable it is. But just did, like a lot. Did you feel like you had to validate your Pliny experience by talking about how good Pliny was? I mean, more than once. Or did you say, fuck, this is did good, and then you, you and then you my, Well, I mean, I, I, I run a YouTube channel in which every beer I <laughs> drink has to be documented. <laughs> However, uh, and, and every time I mention Pliny on the channel, we mention the fact that I am... The first time I drank it, I drank a bottle share with Brad, my best friend, and a guy who I run the channel with. After that, everyone has been by the pint. And if I ever said to somebody, like somebody goes, oh, my mate's got a bottle of Pliny, he'll bring it back for me. I'm like, don't bother. Don't bother. Go there and drink it by the pint. By the bottle, you won't get it. You'll go, that's a nice IPA, but in New England and all this kind of stuff where there's all these exciting flavors, you'll be like, yeah, that's all right. Go to the brew pub, go on a Sunday, drink it by the pint for $3 with a pizza. And then you understand what's amazing about Pliny, and it's the same thing. That's what's amazing about Great Pilsner and Hellas. You drink it by the pint over food with your friends, and that's what makes a great fucking beer. You know, maybe maybe all the, the, the kind of thread between all of these experiences is the fact that there is a, there is a, a kind of element of of choice reduction you know like we're not we're not obsessing with uh, buying pills nor a hellas about the measure of the beer that we're having we know we're just going to order another pint sure you know get around in let's go for it so, so some of these the, classic beers going to the bar and saying same again yeah there's four of you doing it that to me is heaven while drinking <laughs> it doesn't really right. matter what style and some styles can't do it but all the classics like gers uh, a really great IPA, a really great Hellas, a really great Pilsner, like an Oktoberfest Metz, and all of these ones is where somebody goes to the bar and says, me and all my friends are going to have this again because it was that good, that sociable, that drinkable. And that is what lager is, as, as a style, I'll say it, as a, a family, that's what it's so good at. Um, and other styles can dip in and dip out, um, and all the great ones do. But I think like sub-styles dip in and dip out. But I mean, you know, lagers are a family of beer. I mean, maybe smoked lagers are a slight exception <laughs> to that because that is quite divisive. I actually wanted to bring up how much I love smoked lagers <laughs> and how that is definitely a topic of conversation between people when they're drinking it. Don't you? Subject of disagreement or of all-out all love? Uh, both. Both. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly becomes a talking point because, uh, you know, I think the... The most ubiquitous uh, substyles of lager, um, you know, are not smoked. Uh, they're very pale, uh, you know, flavor reduced uh, in all of in all of the the kind of macro products that tend to dominate or, or, or be most ubiquitous. Right. You know, so uh, the the the, I mean, you, Johnny, you finished your um, finished your tasting there um, on uh, on a on a smoked lager. Um, heavily smoked lager. Um, <laughs> it's heavier every time I drink it. And so you know you're uh, you know you're finishing with that um, that that quite sort of opposing experience to the to the average um, ubiquitous macro lager. Yeah, but interestingly, like the story that you hear when you speak to people from Bamberg, 
uh, where Schlenkerl is made, which is the beer I did in the talk. Uh, when, when I contacted uh, their, their, like, their head of PR, like the PR speak kind of person just said, um, yeah, it's great. What We can do this and this when you come over and we can put you on the, the locals table and you can chat to the people that drink it day in, day out. So there's people who do just that sit there awesome. on the locals table just drinking. Maybe they drink the smoke, the, the Hellas, which isn't technically smoked, but it's smoked because everything in that town is still smoked. heavy though. Yeah, it's so still a they, heavy smoke. What did they have to say about it? Well, I haven't been yet. I'm going in December. Oh, so they invited you. Oh, yeah. I can't oh, wait to hear about they, that. I'll not, send you photos. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. just, just, just <laughs> spoiler alert, they're not drinking the Hellas. They're drinking what we drank today. They're doing the Madsen. Yeah, that, that, that is in. the only thing available. It comes out of gravity cask, out of wood. They're drinking it in the street, and that's all that's available. It's, it's an amazing experience. Nothing sexier right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you not get re like really sick of it though? No. Or well, does your palate like the, 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 the jerk and Bomberg is uh, you get used to the, the the flavor after three you know half liters. Well, it's just right. like an IPA. Wait, wait. You oh. have an acquired taste to the yeah. bitterness. Sure, You have an of acquired taste to the smokiness. You get an acquired taste to the sourness. It's all the same thing. It's, it's, it's just, just no one gives the smokiness a chance. Yeah. <laughs> just give it a chance, give man. Give the smoke a chance. chance. Yeah. Peace give is overrated smoke. smokiness. <laughs> exactly. So, so look, um, I, I'm... Sorry this, for cutting you this off. This has been great. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to do a, a, an on-the-spot roundup here. Um, if, if you were to offer... Uh, folk out there that, that might be uh, thinking of lager as a kind of bored, tired uh, experience. Um, like, what what would you say to somebody that is like arms crossed? Like, no, lager is boring, and I'm just not, and I'm just not interested in trying it. Like, what are you going to say to that that drinker out there to convince drink, him? Drink it at the source. Drink it fresh from from a tank or from a barrel with the people who have been brought up on it with the food that they drink it with and the places that they drink go go to Pilsen and walk away from that town saying lager is boring and I will shake your hand and then punch you in the mouth you know that's um, before I go on to Chris like that's um, that's great uh, you know freshness in lager is still so, really really important yeah. um, it's not it's not a beer style or a family of beer styles, um, to be precise. It's it's not something that can get, that can be rolled out into the sun to bake, uh, you know, or stored for months and months and months on end without uh, without any detriment. Uh, you know, all of my best experiences of drinking lager styles have uh, have have occurred where it's super fresh and in great condition Chris what are you going to say to that um, arms crossed lager drinker not put, lager drinker I mean put your favorite beer in a liter put a really great pale lager in a liter and drink both of them and when you get to the end tell me which one still has drinkability oh, like and flavor that you want to consume do that and video you, with and, and you still love it <laughs> So there's a that's like my that's like my dad you know if you want to smoke like smoke that <laughs> right. whole packet yeah yeah we're, we're, we're gonna show you how much that double IPA tastes good after, after or, he, or here's a bunch of roses you know like what are you gonna breathe in for the next twenty minutes so, son we, we, uh, one of our employees I, I dearly love uh, Jade and I'm gonna have a shout out to her she's a farmer a chef and she works in our tap room and every time a new beer comes on she says I can't wait to get a liter of that and experience that beer because what she's saying is. I'm not going to be able to tell what that beer is all about in a quarter liter or a half liter. She says, I want to sit with that beer for a liter 
and understand what that beer is all about. I want to know how it develops throughout that 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 entire change of temperature and experience. And I love that. And that that to me that a beer that can withstand a liter is a beer you want to be a friend with. That's fucking killer. You've got to raise the raise the stakes now. No, that you? was beautiful. That's okay. uh, shit. That's <laughs> you said it all, both of you. Uh, close your eyes, hold your nose. I don't know. Drink as much as you can. I don't know. That's <laughs> you know that, that's that's totally fair. Like it. I'm not going to put you on the spot and demand Nance because Chris, that was um, that was dope. Um, guys, thank you very much for talking about um, talking about this wonderful family of uh, of beers that um, that I think we all have a lot of love for. Um, something that we're going to continue talking about um, and uh, and promoting as best as we can. We, you know, we make a small amount of lager ourselves, but we uh, really care about all those folk out there that are that are uh, way more deeply invested and involved and committed to. Uh, you know, family of of, of beers that uh, that bring us a lot of pleasure in our day to day lives back at the brewery. So, uh, Johnny, Chris, Brianne, thank you very much for chatting yeah. lager, and uh, yeah, look forward to some lagers with you very soon. I'm looking really forward to the smoked lager we brewed together two days ago. <laughs> you cannot Just wait. Just <laughs> <laughs> if I ever get any, you will definitely get some. We'll, we'll send some out. Maybe you'll just have to come to our brewery and rebrew it. Sure, we can do that. Maybe we'll we can get some actual spruce tips some as well. Smoked lager. Yeah, spruce tips. Spruce tips. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, guys. Right, have a good night.